Ladies and gentlemen, this is Nick Flanagan Weekly, your three, four-time-a-week podcast hosted by me, Nick. I'm Nick. Thank you for listening. I have been away. In case you've been waiting with bated breath for new episodes, I took a few weeks off. I took two weeks off. I took the holidays off. I just needed uh, to, well, I was going, I went to a cat sit in, in New York City and it was a bit tricky kind of maneuvering the daily podcast and I mean, I've been doing this four times a week since August. So I took a break. Now I'm back. It's kind of weird getting back into the swing of things. I hadn't really noticed uh, how, how it might take a minute and it has. Uh, I just got back on Saturday a couple of days ago from uh, uh, the Chelsea cat sit of my dreams. With the cats of my dreams. In the neighborhood of my dreams. Two weeks in New York from a, for a boy from Toronto. Who could even imagine such a beautiful, wonderful thing? Well, I imagined it and I made it real. Because if you can dream it, you can do it. And I know R. Kelly said this, but this is how we deal with problematic people. We introduce... We, we attribute their quotes to others. So now that R. Kelly quote from I Believe... Now, you know who wrote I Believe I Can Fly? Stevie Wonder. The guy's got no problems. So as Stevie Wonder said, if you can dream it, you can do it. And I did it. Came back. Now I'm ti- I've am i been tired. I had all this stuff to edit. I'll tell you, I didn't do any work really over those two weeks. A little bit of stuff. I interviewed a few people, went on a podcast, did a bit of stand-up. But really took it easy. So now I'm back and I'm editing and it's taking a minute. Although I'll be doing the solo podcast for the rest of the week. But today, my guest is none other than Scott Rogowski, the host of HQ Trivia, which you can find uh, on the iTunes store. It's a very popular app, an online game show. Scott is the titular host. Quiz Daddy, he calls himself. I don't approve of any of his nicknames, but... He has all kinds of nicknames for himself. I've known Scott for many years. He slept at the very house from which I do this podcast. He's had facial hair for as long as I've known him. He's uh, he's a good man. And he's always been very supportive of my work. And I'm glad that he's uh, found a niche. And he is also a great host of a live talk show called Running Late with Scott Rogowski, which uh, is in New York regularly, and it's in uh, Los Angeles sometimes. He himself is going to be at Foxwoods in Connecticut. He brings that up near the end of the interview, and it was a joy having him in my space. Is the sound that great? No, it's kind of weird. His voice sounds amazing, and I sound like I'm kind of in a bucket, so that's odd. Also, my voice sounds scratchier than normal to me. And there are police sirens in the background, which is weird. For a city that has so little crime at this point, you hear these police sirens at every single day. And look, I'm going to keep you in the loop about what I got up to in New York. I'm looking forward to telling you, um, but that will wait until tomorrow. For now, enjoy this, an interview with Scott Rogowski. And if you want, my Patreon... Is at patreon.com slash Nick Flanagan. I have a few members now. Become a member. Help this happen. Help it help it grow like a geranium in the sun that gets a regular amount of rain. But not 
too much water. All right, my little geraniums, here's Scott Rogowski. Pretty much generally do reply to them just because, you know, especially with the oh, podcast stuff. Believe me, yeah, like, listen, when I, when I, even in the very early days of HQ when we had a few hundred people playing, I, mean, mm-hmm. I was absolutely engaging more with people. And, mm-hmm. oh my God, I'm so glad you're playing. Thank you, blah, yeah. blah, you know, and keep spreading the word. But I mean, now you have millions of people. Now it's just, you know, there was a point where the, those, the, those, those uh, replies were coming in all the time. I, you know, you can't keep up with it. But last night, in the night before, I, I was at Fish, Madison Square Garden, these concerts, for this band that I enjoy. To, yeah, watch, Trey Anastasio. You got a lot of gunk in that water, man. Oh, that's, uh, that's uh, lemon that's oh, okay. and grapefruit That's That's, a, that's intentional. Okay. I was at the Fish concert Madison last Square night, Gardens. Madison Square Garden, and the night before. And so I have a lot of Fish fans who play HQ because <laughs> they are, I, I drop a lot of references. It became a thing. I've been interviewed by the Relics Magazine and I've been on Fish Podcast. So okay, now, tell me what Relics Magazine is. That is a magazine uh, devoted to the jam band scene. So your String Cheese incident? Well, look, I mean, String Cheese hasn't been really relevant lately, but like, <laughs> like on the Penguin cover, Cafe Orchestra? <laughs> pigeons playing ping pong? Pigeons playing ping pong with the philosophers? Twiddle, Spafford, these are all, <laughs> these are actual bands, Nick, that are oh, on the are scene right now. These are real bands. Wow. Anyway, like John Batiste is on the cover this month, you know, the Colbert uh, keyboard player. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had like Nathan Rateliff on the cover last right. month. So they, you know, it's like more... Coheed and Cambria kind of get into <laughs> I that. don't think so, but I did see slightly stupid... Uh, Advertise. That? <laughs> That's a band. Slightly stupid with two O's instead of a U. But do you only like fish in that community? I don't only like fish, but I don't like slightly stupid. And wow. I don't. Well, you'll straight up say it. <laughs> I'll straight up say it. Uh, I'm not a stupid head or the whatever they call it. The closest to them. a jam band that I like is um, of a newer thing phenomenon is Ween. Okay. And I think it's only because of their rabid fan base and their proficiency that they fall yeah. into Well, that. Ween is definitely covered by, by Relics yeah, in, yeah. in that scene. I mean, uh, we had a widespread panic. and Right to the panic. Uh, 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 about, Justin you know, Mraz. Humphreys McGee. Not, J- not, <laughs> not Jason Mraz or Justin Mraz. Probably not. But Meyer? Is, is, is John Meyer a jam band? John Mayer. Is now <laughs> definitely Jan Ben because he's touring with the Grateful Dead. Right. He's touring with Dead Company. So he's Dave fat. Matthews. Dave Matthews for sure. Uh, this would be a fun game. Like, are they covered by Relics or not? But the truth is, I, I don't. I mean, I have a subscription now. They, they, they were kind enough to give me one. But uh, That's a funny thing. Now you get a lot of free stuff too, right? Yes. Oh, God. But Relics um, is spare? great. Relics is a great magazine. i got to shout them out. Well, you got to spare of the free stuff. You want some re- oh, back issues of Relics? I don't want any old magazines. I had. They come with CD samplers. Every issue has a CD sampler with like twenty artists. Do you, are the magazines for the Spank Bank? <laughs> Remember when magazines used to be just for the Spank Bank? That's right. Your FHMs, your Maxims, your <laughs> Bizarre. Bizarre. I mean, it must be a Canadian. No, it was a UK one. Oh, okay. You know, I thought you living in a metropolis like New York City, where we happen to be right now. NME. That was in your Spank Bank. Do you ever go walk on the streets of NYC and say, this is my town? Like Paul Lind? Like Paul Lind. No, but I, I was, as I was saying last night at the fish show, Nick, so I was getting stopped every two seconds by people people shouting at, hey, trivia guy, HQ's guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, so hey, that's... Can I get you a shot of weed grass? <laughs> well, <laughs> weed... <laughs> Well, that's where I felt like a celebrity is my point. I mean, at yeah, the fish show. That's but, cool. But it, it was cool. But, you know, everywhere else, no you know, no one cares. Well, isn't the funny thing that once you get a job like this, it's actually the main thing that it would change would be your interaction with your friends to some extent, um, their perception of you? I mean, I still think of you as that same guy. As you should. I slept mean, in my parents' basement, right. I believe. Uh, 
you know. No, I don't what think. What was I, that like probably, ten years ago? Well, in, in the last ten years, no, definitely in the last ten years. But look, Nick, like I don't think I've changed as a person. I would hope my no, friends it don't. Like you have. I hope my friends don't treat me any different or look at me differently. I don't think they have either. So I think it's um. If anything, it's just brought strangers into my life. <laughs> like yeah, a lot that's of strangers who just, right. hey, Scott. And the, but you know, when you're at these shows, and maybe because of the atmosphere, maybe some of the, you know, there there are sexually charged. I wouldn't say daddy. Sex, no, I wouldn't say sexually. Daddy. No, no. See that <laughs> that that's not part of the fish scene whatsoever. I'm not. It's not a middle school. <laughs> it's one of the least sexual yeah, scenes you'll ever. Definitely, find. but it's it's more of the uh, the familiarity that I have because like everyone looks like someone I went to camp with. I bet, Basically. Yeah. Yeah. And some of them I did go to camp with. Well, so, I think that you are a weird face of, like, Judaism or something. Yeah, you just know? a bearded Jew. And it's great you're related to, like, money. But the giving <laughs> away of money, like Santa. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Yeah. I didn't make that that stereotypical connection, that, that <laughs> Nazi propagandist connection. But, yes, I should be holding bags of money with my big curly nose. Mm. Right, just like, like, you should be, like... I think I'm going to commission a Happy Merchant-style illustration of Scott, if yeah. you know the Happy Merchant illustration. Um, like, why isn't that in the App Store, the icon? Just me holding a bag of money with my hook nose. <laughs> Come well, I'm play sure HQ. the 4chan people will uh, yeah, get it. Yeah, if not. I mean, so... Do you feel a competition with the interim hosts, uh, the people who come up when you're not hosting? Are you, like, worried one of these young bucks will... Uh, take your place. Pull a Wally Post and sep- uh, uh, Wally Pip. Sorry. Is he the one who replaced Dunkelman? No. <laughs> Very good, Nick. Thank you. No, he's the one who replaced Lou Gehrig. Oh, I see. Wow. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm getting all this wrong. Let's take that over. Hey, hey pull, you mean pull a Wally Pip? That's the guy Lou Gehrig replaced. You see what I'm saying? Lou Gehrig played 2,130 straight games. After subbing in for Wally Pipps, so Wally Pipps like, yeah, I'm gonna take this one off and never play it again. Oh no! No, but of course I don't feel comp. These are these are uh, they're very great. We got we have, we have Matt Richards and, and Sharon Carpenter, and uh, when I'm not on the show, they do an admirable job. Now, can you give me just a just a taste of your average day when you're working at HQ? Just just walk me through it from from dreaming at night to waking up in the morning and what your routine is when you wake up in the morning. So okay. You're in bed. You're dreaming. What are you dreaming of? I've I've been having the most bizarre dreams lately, but they don't uh, tell them. They're too hot for podcasts. Okay, what's? Can you give me a PG rated one where you change any dirty words to like love and like? Well, let's just say I like what I love and I love what I like, man. You know what I'm saying? Okay. <laughs> All right. So you have sex with? <laughs> yeah. Holes. No. Holes. No, I don't know. I I, tr- I don't remember my dreams. Holes have sex. <laughs> I don't remember my dreams, but a lot of them are are, are, are violent. Like they're not sexual. They're wow. Um, I, I I'm the one getting hurt. Right. Yeah. That means yeah. you're going to have great success. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what that isn't that like every dream translation is like. Oh, you're going to have a change. Mm-hmm. You're being hurt. Maybe that means uh, you're you know you're maturing. You know, you're you're breaking out of the skin. You're in your mid thirties now, Scott. That's right. I remember when I was in my mid thirties. Currently. That was when I died sexually. No, I'm in my late thirties. You're late thirties now. Yeah, I'm officially in my late. 30s. Verifiably late. Yeah, they should do a Twitter check mark, but for when you're like almost forty. Yep, and then they should just freeze you out of the platform. <laughs> wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Um, but then we wouldn't have. Uh, 
Sean Podhoritz. Yeah. Or, oh, Bill that, Crystal. Right. Or uh, Stephen King or uh, what's his name? Scott Adams. Or, sure, uh, Scott Adams. Um, you know, Albert Brooks. Are you willing to part with the oh, Albert Brooks I do Twitter? like Albert Brooks. Carl Reiner's active on Twitter. Oh, actually, I like that. I think it would be something where Dan after, Rather's Twitter's amazing. After 60, it gets reactivated. It probably should only be 60 and over. Wouldn't oh, that, that would great? be amazing if Twitter yeah. instituted a 60 plus rule. That's right. It'd be more racist. <laughs> I, I don't know. There, there, there are a lot of progressive fogies oh, out there. Yeah. Isn't that weird that like there was that little running thing people would always say where they go like, all the racist people are going to die right. soon. It's like, has that ever worked I, I as a concept? Well, that's, you you want to hold out hope for that, but the, the scary thing is that I don't... I feel All those racist people who fought, fought cops during the civil rights era. <laughs> All those races. <laughs> there, there's, 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 there's a scary element, man, because you think it's only the old people, right? People, and and they're not just old people, but old people on the wrong side of history, right? Just old people who grew up right, with yeah. parents who were also George racist. Wallace. Yes, the George. Yes, the right. No, the, the uh, racist segregation. Senator, not, nah. not, not the comedian. No, that's unfortunate, isn't it? The share name. I actually With think it's. Crap. I actually think it's great because I feel like that George Wallace is better known now He's than reclaimed. the original George Wallace, True. who was shot and ran for president and True. still, still got know. a decent percentage of the vote. He did. He did. Yeah, he almost was a Democratic uh, candidate. But these, there, there are young people, and as you, I'm sure, are aware of, they call into Tim Heidecker's podcast these like QAnon wow. people. These. These racist. I mean, it's and just. I think. It, I, I think it's white white guys. Is I think, it a joke to them? I, I think it starts as a joke because they're sort of right. not. They're living in inertia, you know, and then there's they, nothing they to they actually rebel against. And and a lot of the time, you know, people don't really like to admit this, but whether you're white, black, Indian, Asian, most of the time, if you're male, but even females, you know, your sense of humor is very begins very darkly and a lot of a lot of things you do for shock you know which i know that was my comedy style for a long time and i still go to it sometimes but with more of a knowledge of before because if you haven't been through being wounded or dealing with shit it's actually feel it's basically easier to voice it because you know you don't know what it feels like even Mm -hmm. unless you're like an incredibly empathetic person like ariana grande or Mm -hmm. um thank you next Doctor Doc Severinsen. Doc Doctor Severinsen, the band leader. Doctor Schweitzer, Albert Schweitzer. No, but Nick, you, 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 it's funny you bring this up about yourself because I loved your early stand-up. Well, thank you. Yes, you were very supportive. And I'm curious. I haven't talked to you about this. Are you okay talking about it on mic? I'd love to. Like I a lot of because a lot of the, my stand-up acknowledged. No, but as you alluded to it just now, they're they're yeah shocking and. Um, Maybe in the lens of 2018, looking at jokes from 2004 yeah. or six, do you do you do you? How do you appraise your material differently now, or would you go I, back I, to it? I don't deliver really. Some of that? Uh, I don't really think of it in terms of uh, being a mistake of any sort. You know, I think the I only think mistake was, you know, occasionally thinking because I had, I felt like I was on the wrong, the right side of a, an issue that I could present as being on the wrong side of the issue. And frankly, ironically, joking, joking. I mean, yes. I, and that's my sense of humor. This is right. a problem. That's it's like faking like I'm bad. Right. 
I like doing. And I think the reason they call that the line or something is because you're actually on the line of like no longer faking it if you take it in a certain direction, which mostly involves being really hurt and offended by people being hurt and offended by what you're doing and then sort of standing your ground, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, because you need to acknowledge that you're doing this for fun and some people aren't viewing it like fun or you do something in the moment that makes sense to you but it doesn't make sense in to like everyone in the world. So I don't... That is such a struggle that I I, uh-huh. I also feel like... I'm the same way personally when I deal with people or, you know, I've made jokes on Twitter and then there's the backlash. It's like, right, don't yeah, you that's understand? That you're dealing with now, right? Don't you understand? I could not be more on the right side of things yet... I'm making a, you know, so I'm like, no, obviously, I know. This like, if somebody <laughs> goes, somebody goes to me, we don't have time, we need to get to the museum, I'll say, yeah, but like, can we just rifle through that garbage can over there for about 20 minutes? Yeah, or something, yeah. <laughs> and then they'll go, what the, what do you mean? I'll be like, obviously, I'm, I don't want to get my fingers. I would meant, can you rifle through it and I'll appraise what we're seeing, you know? Uh, <laughs> you take it even further. Yeah, I do like taking it further. Yeah, of course. And that was my whole thing was I would it's take it further. It's funny to you. It's funny to you and no one else. <laughs> and, and it really is. And I feel like that's an element of comedy uh, that, again, is is a fine line where it's like you have to entertain yourself because that entertains people in a way to see you entertain yourself, but you do have to mitigate it and present it like there's something for them. You actually don't have to do anything. I think that's like the other thing about stand-up that becomes this weird uh, contradiction for me is that you don't have to do anything. The definition of what it is is has been created over the years, but you can actually defy that. You just might not work, you know? Like you yeah. might not, but you can do it. Follow sure. your heart, you know, but also don't be too annoying. <laughs> like, 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 like be the, a normal person. I always hate it when people do like some character at an open mic or, and then they don't like break it afterwards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you almost have to put like Neil Hamburger, right? Who, someone you've worked with. Do yes. you have to put on a character to, to pull that off? I mean, obviously he's, he's dressing a certain way and the whole shtick and, the, you know, it adds to it and, and it allows him to do those jokes. Yeah. But you were doing jokes like that, just as a, I, which I think was a bit hipster punk guy. <laughs> yeah, which I think was a bit of the problem because I was actually here in New York City when I remember doing a joke uh, at the Glasshouse Gallery, a very cool mm. establishment at a show put on by establishment. It wasn't an establishment. I mean, it was literally a house, like an, like a, a DIY show space that I feel actually had glass everywhere. <laughs> And it was all bands and me, and I, I did, because I was like, oh, it's bands, I can do like 25 minutes, you know. I battled my way through like a 25 minutes at a DIY show, uh, and after, and I did some joke where I go, we all know Africa has a huge AIDS problem. That was like the beginning of the joke. And, um, that can only go to a good place. That can only end well. well the end, What's the rest of it, Nick? I can't believe <laughs> Michael Jackson had sex with all of those people. See, that's great. I mean, it's just like a Neil Hammer. It's so, right. It's yeah. so silly and, and dumb. And, well, yeah, that's the thing about you, too, is, like, I met you under the context of this guy who would visit Toronto. You know, you said you just, like, really got a kick out of all the comedians who wound up being involved in the Laugh Sabbath shows, yeah. whether it was, 
you know, James Hartnett or uh, Nathan Fielder or me or, or Chris Locke. It was because I saw DDP. I'd invite them up at Rafifi, and I just was – he did a full set. I so saw maybe – And he had a lot of really good bits oh at that time. Oh, my God. I mean, he opened up. And I, I remember I remember this. Like, he had his cup of water, ice water, and he was pulling his ice cubes out of, yeah. of this cup and squeezing the ice cubes into the cup saying – Sorry, I uh, I had froze my jokes to get them over the border, and um, <laughs> I didn't have time to thaw them out. So he's like squeezing the drops of water coming out. He's like, "Up, oh, it's just the it's just the punchlines right now." <laughs> I mean, like so you know. So to me, yeah, I I never th- seen anything so innovative in terms of how to present that comedy. And like what I didn't know was that a lot of people were doing this kind of stuff in Toronto. Yeah, even like Levi McDougal would do. Yeah, you know. so I. I got to talking after the show. I went up to DDP as a total stranger. I said, hey, man, I was blown away by your set. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, thank you. And, like, he didn't really have any friends there. We ended up walking around East Village all night, mm-hmm. just talking, hanging out, became Facebook friends. And then that friendship over Facebook, um, 2008, 2009, you know, we just grew that thing. And, and I'd go to Toronto, I'd stay with him. I got to meet all you guys there. He'd come down to New York, stay with me. And it just blossomed. This amazing thing. I had, like, Chris Locke stay with me when, and him once. Dink, Dingus or Dinkus? That, uh, Dinkus, Dinkus yeah. with Graham and Aaron. Dinkus was a sketch group with uh, Graham Wagner, Brian Barlow, Chris Locke, uh, Aaron Eves, right? Aaron Eves and um, James. I think it, I might have just. I mean, it was a rotating thing. Sure. Mike, Mike Bellazzo was in it. A I lot, think. yeah. So those guys came down to some shows in Williamsburg, and I remember going out just eating pizza with those guys afterwards. Just, I just remember, I, I felt, I was the younger one, the youngest one at that time. I was probably 23, Yeah, 24, you were really young. And I was just like, oh my God, these guys are so funny. No one knows about them in New York. I wanted to like break you guys wide open. I want, my fantasy was to somehow write a New Yorker profile, like a six page profile on the Toronto comedy scene. I mean, I wish it had happened, you know? Like, yeah, it I just was, wish, uh, I, I didn't know anybody, I couldn't write the You would hear piece. from this other guy, Dan, Dan Gunnerman, you know, this oh, writer, and, and, and he would just be like, you guys should make a podcast of Laugh Sabbath shows. And I was like, damn, we should. But, you know, it's like herding cats, right? You know, In 2009, just, he was telling you. That. I know, it's like herding cats. It's like, comedy is, unless you're sort of explicitly a sketch group, and even when you are a sketch group, the, I think the battles are pretty heavy. You know, it's, it's hard to wrangle everybody, uh, you know. And, and Canada is, doesn't make you feel like you're special a lot of the time, the comedy scene. It, it's almost designed in that half-socialist way. I feel like I sounded tearful as I was putting it But there. that, But you're right. That's, that, that's, the, that's the attitude you guys had. Like, you didn't... I, I saw the genius. As an outsider, I was coming to those shows and just truly... I mean, I could not believe the just the 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 innovation that i was seeing and the ways that you were doing stand up and sketch you know i mean there's a long tradition kids in the hall obviously and 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 a lot of great oh, yeah. comedy to sctv yeah performer, so clearly SCTV. there's there's harlan williams there's something or, in the water up there you know, man yeah. but but you can you know, but so but you you guys all didn't seem you didn't really recognize how how genius you were you're just like, yeah, this is kind of what we do up here. And, and I, I don't know. I just felt, I always felt like I wish I could have done more to expose you guys. All you Thankfully, need, look, Nathan, you yeah. know, got work and Tim McAuliffe. Yeah, Graham, Graham Wagner. People. Everybody's kind Adam of, and Dave, our friends who are a huge part of it, are like directing the new John Doerr thing. That's yeah, on John Comedy Doerr. Central. Uh, I mean, it's, it's really cool. And uh, I think it's a longer game than people think it is. And I think that, you know... Even the people who from Laugh Sabbath are working, you know, I mean, that we haven't even sure. mentioned, 
Kathleen, Kathleen. Phillips and Katie Crown, yeah. you know, and Sarah Hennessy, and now Jackie Pirico. Katie so, had that huge role in that Disney and that Storks movie. Yeah, but even way back when, yeah, Katie, I remember really established herself because she did the uh, Laugh Sabbath, uh, sorry, the alternative show with Andy Kindler in like 2005 or something. She got into Just for oh, Laughs. Wow. And uh, it, at that point, it was with the show had like Patton Oswalt and. Uh, Zach Galifianakis and who else? I, you know Eddie Pepitone and, mm. and maybe uh, Jen Kirkman or something. I don't know. But uh, and Katie was so well regarded with this bit she did at that point uh, that she was invited to the comedians of comedy show at like Irving Hall and wow. she went and did that wow. and, and she had a bit where she was um, a, a mother came on stage with her baby and she'd tell a joke. And then when the crowd would laugh, she'd go, shh, she'd like whisper, you know, and it was just like so funny. I mean, there was was nobody doing that kind of stuff in New York as far as I could tell. Well, I know. Katie, what she was doing in comedy was an amazing combination of things. And um, yeah, what she was doing as a performer was incredibly exciting, especially at that time. And then Kathleen Phillips too. You know, Kathleen Phillips was doing these fully realized Character pieces like Lily that, Tomlin, that, like yeah, Tilly, yeah. Lily Tom, Tilly Longlin, Tilly, Tilly Savalas, Tilly Savalas. She was basically Canada's Tilly Savalas. So, so your appreciation of, appreciation of that was always very encouraging. And I think that's the other thing with Canadians is like we can't really tell the difference between one person encouraging us and a world encouraging us in terms of like or uh, feeling good. Yeah, like I feel validated. You know, I did this show here a couple days ago, and. I have no idea how it went. It was a full room. I had no idea how it was going, you know? I mean, I think I engender a completely different response than a lot of comedians, and it's really hard for me to sort out, you know? But, um, you know, afterwards, there were definitely people, a couple people who were, like, super positive, and I'm just like, well, I guess I don't have to do comedy again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's enough for my career. Well, I say, at what point... That's another thing we could talk about, too. It's like, at what point do you you say, you know what, I've, I've done it. You know, I've done what I want to do. Um, I've made people laugh. Like, you can, you know, say Nick Flanagan has made a ton of people laugh in That's his lifetime. Nice. You know what I mean? Thanks. And you've got albums to show for it. And you've got all his work. Like, you know, I guess we can all just keep doing this for another 30, 40 years. Yeah, you've done so many fun things. You've been really good at um, just keeping things going and, and sort of changing it up. and doing And, you know, also doing stuff that had a broad appeal but was like your own thing. You know, like, I guess you were on some prank show. That was one of your first big things on ABC, for you. Yeah. On ABC. Yeah, that, that's the that thing. Happened. Like, I, I, I've sort of never, I've never really loved, uh, look, I, I don't know what, what I'm even good at. I truly <laughs> don't. I always, I've always thought to myself that, like, I could write a, a decent joke. Like, write, you know, write it. If you read it, you'd laugh. Like, it's constructed well. There's set up punchline, you know. Do I have the best presence on stage to deliver that joke? I don't know. You know, do I have the energy that some of these people do? I mean, well, not, you have energy. You know, I don't know what people listen to this for, frankly. Well, I think but, people uh, will be listening to this for you for, like, stuff about HQ, which I guess we sort of, we, we you were going to walk, right now, walking us through your day started with. Oh, uh, this is, that was my day. My day. Frankly, uh, if you want to go back to the day. Yeah, I, I, think, uh, I, I think the comedy thing, we've kind of covered the, us talking about how much we love comedy. and We love it. It's we great. Do. It's the yeah. best. But no one should do it anymore. Exactly. It's let, over. Let us handle it. The only comedian to me, the only one who should work is Sebastian Maniscalco. Maniscalco? Yeah. 
That's my Jewish <laughs> Sebastian character. Uh, so my day, Nick, I dream about crazy, violent things happening to me, and then I wake up in cold sweats and uh, put on a pair of warm sweats and make some omelets or a scramble. I'm trying to get into vegetarianism slash veganism right now. You're an egg boy every day. I do eggs, though, so I'm, I don't think I can ever... And, and, and eggs are fine to me because... Look, chickens lay eggs, okay? Chickens lay beautiful eggs. They're to beautiful. create, a, They're to great create children. You make an egg. What am I going to do, not eat the egg? They're not getting hurt. They're cage-free. It's all certified humane, at least the ones I buy. You know what I'm saying? So if I buy a humanely delivered egg, then I can eat that egg, and I if feel guilty about it. If it's a miscarried egg, there's no baby living it in there. That's right. So you just got to make sure we've only got miscarried eggs. Miscarried. All these... <laughs> miscarried Bradshaw eggs. <laughs> Scott, that's, anyways, that's Scott the kind of, and I are having sex in the city right now. Uh-huh. We're having uh, mind sex with our repartee. Mouth sex. Mm. <laughs> Wouldn't fully go there with you, but... Uh, <laughs> but anyway, my day is uh, eggs, and then I work... I try to I try to run or to go to the gym. Maybe we'll do that before the eggs, just so I'm not puking on the yeah, treadmill. I want to go to the gym so bad. Oh uh, yeah, do it, baby. Yeah, it's been a minute. And then uh, and then I go to the, I go to the office and I just kind of prep the show a little bit. I don't know, man. Every what day is so different. What's prepping the show mean? What's prepping looking, the show? Means looking at the questions that are pre pre. Trimming your nose hairs or what? That's that's involved. There is a, a, a quiz that's prepared every yeah, day. You're, you're not there writing the questions. No, thankfully, uh, they have a, we have a wonderful team of, of writers and researchers who handle that. Shout out, Josiah, Danielle, Jamie, Jamie Jams, Tim, and uh, Laura. I think that's the whole crew there on the writing, writing, researching side. Tim Harrod actually contributes from afar. He's a cool. former Onion guy. Great. So we got a great team there, but... Um, uh, I look at the quiz and I go, okay, I'll make a joke there, maybe I'll make a joke there, and then I'll do it. I'll do the quiz. And to have, uh, for, <laughs> for, the for the jokes, are you getting, what's the writer count to contributed to you writing some jokes? Oh, well, so they write the quizzes? Yeah. But I mean, do you have like a, they, they, a team of... Uh, no. So there's no comedy writing. budgeted right now. Yeah, there's no budget for a comedy team, but um, the Wouldn't question... Wouldn't that be nice? It really would. Yeah. And, and look, we have, I mean, we have, we have these writers and researchers, and, and they're very funny. So I mean, they, they write, see. they write frill like these, these frills. So they'll do yeah. a pass with some information about the thing and explain it, it in a funny way. And, and um, then it's extra stuff you could say. Yeah. 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 And great. I'll, you know, I'll either take, you know, sometimes okay, I really like the frill and I like what they did, or otherwise I'll just rewrite the whole thing, or you know, it, it honestly depends. If if I'm going for some kind of theme in my head that they're not aware of, then I'll just, you know, rewrite the. But maybe that's why there's so many comedians right now is like people are just really being activated and woken up to the fact that they're they're funny. Well, that could be true. I mean, the, the, I mean, a lot of people are funny, right? So that's yeah. that's the thing. Like, Lyndon, everyone Lyndon thinks Johnson. Was, he, th was he thought he funny? was a riot. That's the thing. Though. Everyone thinks they're funny. There are very few people. If you ask him, "Are you funny?" Maybe maybe one out of twenty will say, "No, I'm Who's not." Who's the least funny celebrity? That I've worked with? <laughs> sure, if you want to. Yeah, I, I don't want you to throw anyone under the bus. At least funny celebrity? I mean, Christian Bale doesn't seem like he's much fun. No, he yells. Yeah. But he can be funny if you make him be deadpan. Like, he mm -hmm. was funny in... Like, um, funny, like funny in American Hustle? He was or American... Psycho. Yeah, American Psycho. He was funny. Yeah, he's pretty funny. The other one, he played the fat guy with the comb over. Was that American Hustle? Or? I think so, yes. And then he's also... Uh, 
I don't know if funny is the right word, but he really hits the right note in Shaft, which was the first movie I saw him in. The Shaft <laughs> it had, remake? Yes, the John Singleton Shaft I didn't remake. See that one. It had two incredible actors I'd never seen before in it, and that was Jeffrey Wright and Christian Bale. Wow. And I was like, who are these guys? And they were the bad guys. I was like, who are these guys? They're awesome. Is Jeffrey you know? Wright funny? Probably. Yeah, Jeffrey Wright's a pretty... I mean, that's what's weird about actors is when they hit a certain level, they're definitely able to do comedy. Yeah. Are they funny? Hard to say. Well, most of these dramatic actors are actually, you know, the, a lot of comedians can play a dramatic role better than... I mean, look at Robin Williams, what he was able to... Like, is Lawrence Fishburne funny, do you think? Isn't he on a sitcom? Lawrence Fishburne? Yeah, isn't he on Blackish? He is? Yeah, he's like the grandfather or something. Hmm. Reminds me of Eugene Merman's Burned Fish Man. <laughs> what about Charles S. Dutton? Oh. Star of Rock. Star of Rudy. He's in Rudy as well. I wouldn't say he's a star, but he's the star of my book. <laughs> okay, so you prep the thing. You prep it, and then you do it, man. So you, you set it, it and forget it. And are you ever nervous before you get on HQ? No. I'm truly, uh, you know, no, I'm not. I don't, people want, ask me that a lot, and it's like, look... Bottom line is... You don't seem nervous. Bottom line is, that, that camera is the same. It's been the same since there were is 10... Is it a webcam? 10, uh, it's slightly more sophisticated than a webcam, but it's not, you know, it's not a huge setup yeah. by any means. Uh, but my point is, like, when we first start with 50 people in the game, it's the same camera, same setup as when there are 500,000. So, like, I don't see the difference. You know, I see that number ticking off on how many people are in the game, but I... That doesn't really make me nervous. I mean, it, yes, if there were a million and a half people on a lawn, I thought it was, this is like an inauguration, <laughs> and I was delivering trivia. Was HQ trivia, yeah, live, live from Obama's inauguration. That yeah. might be a little nerve-wracking. With Trumps, well, which was bigger than bigger, Obama's. Sure. I don't know if we, you heard. we haven't gotten to those levels yet. Yeah, but uh, no, I don't get nervous. I, I enjoy it. I really get, I get antsy. I kind of want to like give it to him. You know? Are you doing it today? Yeah. So like. Tonight and I, so that's why I gotta go and. Uh, so what gets you nervous? What makes a Scott Rogowski nervous? Well, what makes me nervous. I'm ignoring the part where you said you have to go. No, but what makes me nervous is uh, when I'm, I feel like I'm held hostage by a podcaster. <laughs> that I I do get nervous about not being prepared. So that's yeah. a, that's, that's a thing. So like, if I'm not, if you're like, hey. And by the way, in the old days of HQ, I, I really, there wasn't very little preparation. I would also write the questions myself. Wow. So I'm writing it and then delivering it. And, and it was, I was, it was, I, I knew it better, you know, because you were writing it. Now, if you just th th threw a 12-question quiz in front of me, cold, without looking over the pre-written frills, or the, yeah, I'd be a little like, okay, what am I about to read? You know, because you're up there, you know, the prompter, you, you want to at least look the thing over first, ingest it a little bit. And and so you feel you have a feel for the pace how you're gonna do it. So I, I would be nervous if I had no time to prepare whatsoever. And I do have nightmares about that where it's like, you know, my live show especially less HQ because HQ you know it, it's oh yeah it's I opened, it so I, me and all the Last Sabbath buddies open for your live show in in Toronto. Yeah, well yeah. the live show, but I'm not talking like running late even like running yeah. late if I'm doing running late and when I have a big guest like John Oliver yeah. or someone it's a like, big deal you know huge deal nine that was nine years in the making with John. So I did have stress dreams and nightmares where I'm like, oh shit, oh, the, the, the show's tonight and I haven't done any research. Yeah. 
And and I'm on the way to the venue, and I have nothing prepared. Well, I have that with the podcast, of course. And it's like, luckily with you, it's like I haven't seen you for that long. We've definitely been in touch, you know. And, right. and uh, but if I was like, so, if I was like John Cryer, if I was, yeah, if you if were John Cryer, and I didn't prepare at all, I'd just be like, okay, so were like, you in so career opportunities? I'd ducky. be like, you were great in career opportunities. You'd be like. No, that was Frank Whaley. And I'd be like, because oh. that was what I did the other day. I was like, have you seen Career Opportunities with John Cryer? And they're like, no. It starred Frank Whaley. Better looking. There you go. Robbie Krieger from The Doors. Robbie Krieger. Okay, we're going to go to the last section. Here. You booked him? Frank Whaley? Maybe. I can't remember. Did you want to be a game show host? Or was it more of a talk show host? Or was it sort of an either or? Or was it... Did you just want to be a stand-up, or were you like, I want to win an Oscar for Best Actor? All right. I'll, I'll, I'm glad you laid out those options, because I can tell you what I definitely did not want to do. I definitely never envisioned myself winning an Oscar for anything. Okay. Um, not even a copy of Oscar on DVD, the Sylvester Stallone film, for winning a trivia match? I, I have, I have, I'm not familiar with that, but I, 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 wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't pass up an Oscar de la Renta suit. So, no, no Oscars in my future. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do, and still would like to, you know, do more stand-up and, and make more of a name for myself. Because I don't, I don't think I've fully broken into that. People don't think of me as a stand-up. And, you know, I don't think most people, besides my cousins, who have been seeing me since <laughs> 2006. Right. That was like, when you started? Well, 2005 was my first show. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I started doing shows in the Time city. flies, hey? It does, man. Yeah. But, you know, so people, you know, my friends quote back my jokes, but I know not, my jokes aren't known to the public <laughs> at this point. But I'd like, I'd like to, you know, like you said, Katie Crown's bit, you know, like I'd like to people, I'd like to have people fondly remember a bit or a joke of mine in 15, 20 years from now. Sometimes I have people remember my bits and that makes me feel good. Yeah, man, I remember your bits about Britney Spears and the Holocaust. <laughs> well, you remember that they were about those. I don't really want people to go... Do you want me to... Punching your penis till it... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> till it ejaculates? Yeah, I love how you just, just, just describe bodily function in, just, in bare detail. And I was very deadpan at yes, that time, dead, right? Very deadpan. And I was reading from a notebook. That was the key to it, yes. I've tried doing that a bit lately. It's been fun. Those notebooks, those, those belong in the Smithsonian. Well, right now they're in the basementium. <laughs> basementium. <laughs> Um, so yeah, do you think... So, I, you know, the game show thing, that was never on my radar either. Interesting. Talk shows, yes, I've been, I've been doing Running Late since yeah. 2011, 12 Angry Masters. it was growing and growing. Growing and growing. And growing. Cool that. It keeps growing and growing, and like the Duracell. Or is that the Energizer? The Bunny. See, that's, that's the problem with the market. Like, they have that whole campaign, and I don't even know which company it is. Yeah, way to go, batteries. Nice job, batteries. Do you want to go? <sighs> What, my, is my shifting in the chair? Yeah, you seem like you want to go. No, I'm just, uh, I'm just, I'm wrapping this up with you. Yeah. But I, I want to say that uh, I still, in my heart of hearts, the talk show host is the number one goal for me. Uh, you know, or hosting Jeopardy. <laughs> At this point, now that I've gotten the HQ under my belt, I think hosting Jeopardy could be a nice move. I love that. Um, if you also want Scott to host Jeopardy, just... Uh, Send a postcard to P.O. Box 467 in Burbank, California. I was going to say kidnap Alec Trebek and make that your ransom demand. Listen, Al- Alex Trebek? Alec is, uh, is Is, if not 80 years old now, approaching it very, very quickly. Very close. Another yeah. Canadian you respect. Mm-hmm. Although he was interviewed recently, I and know. someone asked him, do you play HQ trivia? He said no. 
But he seemed to know what it was. He absolutely lied to that reporter. Oh, he plays it. He has to have. Has he had. won? He's, he's at least looked over a PA's shoulder. That was probably right. the same interview where he said, you know, a lot of people are getting dragged over the coals in this Me Too thing. And yeah. I kind of think it's gone a little mad. And uh, <laughs> people tried to turn that into a thing. And then it's like, when someone's about 80, it's like, yeah. you can't really. It's not. And they're like, a white guy in a mustache who always wears a suit. It's Used like, to what would you mustache. expect? Used to have a mustache. Well, that's why I said in a mustache. Like, we have placed him in a mustache. Oh, yes, I know, yeah. So normally I do a... Um, Show and tell, because oh. this happens at my house, but I'm at someone else's house right now, then cat sitting. So I'll just pick some of the items closest to me, and you can tell me what you think of them. Okay. Okay, so this is a, uh, a very uh, lovingly used jar, I guess, or container of Trace May styling putty, mastique coiffant. It is, I believe, Canadian in origin, yes. It was, it was Fabrique au Canada. Uh, Tresemme, ooh la la. Used by professionals. This is, I don't want to open it, Nick, because it's caked with uh, the putty. It's over. That's my hair. That's this is my yours? Hair, that's my hair putty, yeah. This is not the one you're, you're cat sitting for. This is, you brought no. this. You, you brought this over the border. They let you take gel, like, like uh, styling gel over the border. Oh, yeah. Don't be afraid. As long as it's in one of those circulars. It's not, it's not confused for like C3? No, and this is... The other thing that's great is all this gel that's caking it. Mm -hmm. You can just use that on your hair. You just pick it with your finger oh, and rub it in. So it's not unsanitary. You just rub the jar on your head. Yes. The residual... Side of the jar. Yes. Like a deodorant. Mm -hmm. So what's this? This would be... Speaking of deodorant, this is tiny lip... It looks like lip, a lighter. Tiny like lip deodorant. Yes, it's this lip is balm. Lip balm, also Fabrique au Canada. Yeah, coconut. Uh, noix de coco. Do your lips get chapped? My lips my lips are permanently chapped. In fact, it was chapped lips that kept my grandfather out of the war. Really? No. Oh. But he probably, you know, I think about that. Like, like I probably would have died from chapped lip if I, if I had to live in the 19th century. I never thought of that, that the chapped lip, you get one cut, it gets infected, yeah. next thing you know, you're dead. Yeah. Yeah. I would have died from chapped lips. That's embarrassing. That's how pathetic I am and how weak my gene pool is. So um, I'll leave you with that. No, no, there's two oh, more. There's one more. Two more. Season of the Witch, how the occult saved rock and roll. Nice. You ever read this one? No, but I want to. Yeah, it sounds like, really cool. I feel like Dave Hill has read this multiple times. Oh my god, right? Dave Hill's gonna to go be, on this podcast any second. This is right up his alley, huh? Is this a new book? Dave Hill is a good man. Great man. Was him Lives doing a talk here. show, uh, a live talk show in New York for years, an inspiration for yours? Um, were you like a bit a, unaware of it? No, I would. Dave Hill Explosion. I definitely was aware of it. And I would witness it. I went to see him interview Dick Cavett very memorably. Yeah. Uh, I love that show, and it, he's I, an I think interesting I, guy. He's like one of those guys that I, yeah. he's not even much older than me. But when I'm like, so what did you do in your life? And he's like, well, I was in a band. Yeah. We we're still popular in Japan. Right. I um, wrote the theme song for John Oliver yeah, show. Yeah, my band made the theme song for John Oliver. I tour this black metal thing. Like we're big in Norway. Yeah, black witch tame. Well, just it's like the joke. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, you know, and then he's written and he does stand Multiple books, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. But Dave, uh, I, I wouldn't say it's inspiration because I was doing my show. I started in 2008 doing yeah. a talk show. I don't know when he started his, but I, it, it, it definitely, my, my, the idea for my talk show, it came from my own brain just to... That was originally to do a sports comedy showcase. Yeah. And I started 12 Angry Mascots in 2008. That was the first kind of show I ever produced. 
but uh, no, but Dave's great, and uh, and it was an inspiration going forward for me. You know, I was like, oh, you can do a lot of cool stuff. He plays guitar during the shows. Answers to distraction. Oh, now this, now this is clearly a Nick Flanagan. Why? Because it's all beat up. It's all beat up. It's from a library. Uh huh. This is a. Uh, and of course, my obsession with ADHD. Mm-hmm. It's not really an obsession. It's it's just trying to manage it. So this has been helpful. Yeah. Let me read you a. What's a, what's your favorite paragraph here? Passage. Give me um, the Cliff's notes. Talk about being an ADD. I can't even uh, read this thing. This is important. It's in the chapter, A Wretched Excess, ADD and Addiction. Mm. Why is there such a strong tendency of ADD people to develop addictions? Some of the key characteristics of ADD match the addictive personality profile. These include impulsivity, hyperactivity, restlessness, hyperemotionality, and a vulnerable temperament. When you combine this with high stimulus-seeking behavior in a dysregulated neurochemical system, you could get a predisposition for the addictive process. Equally important, the dominant feature of the ADD brain is the inability to inhibit or to put the brakes on certain thoughts, feelings, behaviors, or cravings. Thus, it would seem that ADDers are particularly prone to developing an addiction as the eternal alarm system that usually tells you to stop a behavior that is risky or harmful is not working. Add in the anxiety, depression, and panic the most ADD adults experience, and you have a logical reason for them to seek relief. Many of the addictions may therefore be an attempt at self-medication. Pretty fascinating. It is. The most fascinating thing I read there lately. And do you think so now? See, I'm always finding out. Every new page of these books is fascinating to me. Anything I didn't know before. Do you find that some of the stuff is written just so guys like you and me can go, oh, so that's... So it's okay for me to well, yeah, <laughs> to be a wretched human being. No, because they're not saying that you just do this. They're not like they're saying there's a reason It's not a get out of it. jail free. It's like the idea of just like, okay, so I'm not alone in this, and maybe this isn't a defect in myself that I'll carry with me forever, and it's this, it's like a curse. You know, so like there's ADD. Well, that... I mean, they are kind of saying that it is a defect that you will carry with you forever, and and that it can feel like a curse, and it can lead you to know? destructive behavior. Yeah, and, uh... and they're saying like these are ways to manage it, which mm. are generally minimize the things that are weak points or whatever you'd call it, and maximize that which you do well. Mm. You know. Well, that's the part you should read, Nick. That's what I want to hear about. Well, this seems a good enough a time as any to. Bid you adieu, my friend Scott, host of HQ Trivia, the host, the host with the most, the host with the most asbestos in his walls. Stand-up comic. Thank you, Nick. I I, I don't even consider myself a stand-up comic anymore, but host of of HQ, host of Running Late with Scott Rogowski, will be live. Weren't you also like the... um... At Foxwoods, January 11th. Are you at Foxwoods January eleventh? Yes. Is that that a casino? Tickets are going slow. Damn it! Actually, they're okay. Oh, oh but I say, I say that to get people to buy tickets. I see. No one's bought tickets yet. Be the first. If you live in New Jersey, Connecticut. If you live in Connecticut. If you live in New Jersey too, anywhere <laughs> within three hundred miles of Mashantucket, Connecticut, January eleventh, I'll be there. Foxwoods January eleventh. Now, um, ScottRogowski.com for more info. Do you need an opener? On that show? In terms of lines. Do you need an opening line? Uh, usually I go, you folks like first impressions? What do you think? 
See, it's not very funny, but I enjoyed it. I laughed. Yeah. Have a great night, Scott. Good night, everybody. Thank you, New York. And that was Scott Rogowski. Thank you again, Scott, for coming to that apartment, seeing the cats, petting the cats. I also had the microphone on the bed, just like here at home. The bed is an important part of the podcast. I took a nap today. That's why I've got energy, even though it's late. Scott Rogowski, everyone, if you're interested in HQ, just download the HQ Trivia app in the iTunes store. Scott is Scott at Scott Rogowski on, on Twitter, and you can go to Scott Rogowski. I can't pronounce his name, but it's Rogowski. Trust me. ScottRogowski.com for tour dates. Right now, that Foxwoods show is the only one, so if you're in Connecticut or near Connecticut, go see him at Foxwoods and lose all your money at the at the gambling table. And You know, if you gamble, you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, walk away. You gotta know when to run. You gotta count your money, but not when you're at the table. There'll be time enough for counting. Something. Done. R.I.P. Bob Einstein. That was a hard one. Anywho, I got a text, so I gotta go. Uh, We're gonna have episodes all through the week. We're on Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Please, if you like the podcast, I just keep saying this, tell your friends. You can check out my album, Wiped Privilege, at Bandcamp. Um, request it on Sirius if you like it. I'm here all week is on iTunes, and yeah, I've got the Patreon if you're interested in that. I'm working on incentives. You will like them. All right, looking forward to telling you about the rest of my week in New York, my two weeks in New York. So.